You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome to Packers Total Access Post Game Show. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And the uh, Packers drop a tough one here to the Tennessee Titans, 27 to 17. Man, this one, that's probably, probably the most boring first half of football I've ever watched in my life. It was, it was tough to stomach. Um, you know, you just seen the Titans just kind of lean on the Packers that whole first half. And and it seemed like every time the defense got a stop, they decided to go for it on fourth down. And, and that's probably the most frustrating part, right, is you feel like the defense had a little bit of success at times. And then, you know, here, here comes Tennessee. They're going to go for it on fourth down, pick up another first down. That's just got to be demoralizing. Uh, for a defense for sure. And and then, of course, you had the uh, the Derrick Henry jump pass. Man, that thing right there, it was just like – I wanted to be angry at the defense for falling for that, but at the same time, it's like, what do you do, man? That guy is just an absolute hoss cat. And, I, you know, you've got to load the box. You've got to do everything you can to stop him. You're not expecting that big fellow to just jump up and toss it over the line, right? So it's a good play call. And, and really, if I had to chalk this one up <clears throat> one way or the other, I'm not necessarily disappointed in the Packers. It's more about, for me, um, congratulations to the Titans and their fans because they just played – a great game. They uh, they did everything that they needed to do to win the ball game, and they didn't try to do too much. They got a little bit cute at times, but for the most part, did everything they needed to do to win the ball game. So, um, as boring as that sounds, that's the way I kind of seen that game for sure. And uh, we're going to kind of go through some information here and give you guys an update on what's going on as far as statistics and all that. There's definitely some positives to take away from this game, and uh, there's some negatives too, some things that we want to point out that we felt like kind of cost the Packers the game. And I think we do need to kind of start things off by saying with this loss here, the Packers playoff hopes uh, really start to diminish, right? And and just being realistic about it. Yeah, they're statistically still in it. Um, they could still make the playoffs. However, when you look at kind of how things are shape, shaping up in the NFC, especially with the, uh, the Eagles losing the other night to the Commanders and, you know, a couple other things here or there, um, you know, you could kind of kind of just see the Packers falling out of the race. And um, I think we're one loss away from pretty much being eliminated. So they're going to have to run the table from here on out. 
you know, I didn't think they were coming in to this game, the favorites that Vegas said they were. If, if I understood correctly, I didn't bet on this game. I kind of stayed away from it, but I believe the Packers were three-point favorites. And I didn't really see it like that. Um, to me, it was everything kind of shaped up to, to play into the Titans' hands, them having a strong run game. And when I say strong run game, I, I you know, I mean Derrick Henry, just being able to pound the rock, play in and play out. I mean, they, I think they ran him close to 30 times if they didn't crack the 30 mark. Matter of fact, let me pull it up here and see. Um, 28 carries. Yeah, he only averaged 3.1 yards a carry, so the defense did a good job stopping him. It's just 28 carries, and they said, look, we're going to play keep away from Aaron Rodgers, keep him cold on that bench, not let him warm up, and uh, we're just going to run it down their throat, and that's exactly what they did. So uh, hats off to Vrabel, hats off to the Titans. And um, like I said, we got some positives to take take away from the game. We're also going to keep an eye out here to the podium for uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Coach LaFleur. Um, when they do come to the podium here, we're going to hear from them. So um, statistically, let's just kind of go through the stats real quick while we're waiting. Um, on the Titans side, you know, one of the things I said coming into this game, I was on a, I got invited onto a pregame podcast um, with a few guys, and we chatted with some Tennessee uh, podcasters, uh, Tennessee Titan podcasters, guys located down in Chattanooga, awesome dudes. And we just kind of talked about keys to the game. And the, and the one thing I said was, as far as defensively, Let's make Tannehill beat us through the air, right? Let's let's load the box, take Henry away, which we did, and let's make Tannehill beat us. And he did. I mean, he he, he did. 22 of 27 for 333 yards. He averaged 12.3 yards a clip, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, we got to him three times, two of which I think were actually uh, – yeah, Preston Smith was in on two of those sacks. I think he actually recorded one and a half sacks, if I remember correctly. But Tannehill's quarterback rating, 127.3. He came out and beat us. And, man, so many times, and it's one of the negatives I have here in my notes, was the coverage. There were there were so many blown coverages throughout the game, you know. And uh, multiple times, um, Darnell Savage noticed him. Rudy Ford, uh, a couple. I'm expecting his PFF grade to, to be pretty low. I don't think he played a good game. There was times that he got kind of sucked up in the play action and then, then getting back to his responsibilities. Now, there were several times as well where you kind of felt like, you didn't know who was responsible, right? There was one time that Jair was pointing the finger at, at Savage and Savage was throwing his hands up in the air like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you know, you could go back and watch the tape and probably come up with a culprit there, not that it really matters. But um, as far as grades, they'll sort it out and we'll see. But I, I don't know, man. Savage is just – I don't – I can't figure out what he does good. Even when he played in the slot, when he played star position last week, the thing that benefited the Packers there was Rudy Ford, you know, getting in the game and obviously getting those two interceptions and being a difference maker. But I never felt like Savage, um, you know, was a uh, was a positive influence on that game. I mean, he didn't play horrible last week, although the grade suggested he did. But he's just he's one of those players, man. I don't want to see him in the lineup. I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to be harsh about it or or overreact, but. Every time there's a big play, you're going to see 26 in the frame, and most of the time he's looking around like he doesn't know what just happened. And, you know, from someone who's a, a former first-round pick, God, I feel like I'm doing the same podcast every week, and it's tough. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. He's a bust. I think we all agree now he's a bust. And it's time to move on from him. Not necessarily cut him, but get him out of the lineup, man. See what you got in some of the younger guys. We did it with Rudy Ford, and it paid off last week, right? Well, now we got Savage out there roaming around. Sometimes he's playing safety. Sometimes he's playing slot, and it's it's kind of botting us in the rear end. So um, I would like to see, you know, see what Keyshawn Nixon could do 
on a more regular basis. See what uh, Shamar Jean, uh, Charles can do, right, and kind of get things set up for next year. Um, again, the season isn't technically over yet, but this loss today really hurt your playoff chances. So um, one of the, the strong points for me, well, let's go back to the stat column here real quick. Derrick Henry, like I said, 28 carries, 87 yards, 3.1 yards of pop. He had a touchdown. Defense, hats off to them. Joe Barry said, we're going to stop run. We're going to really contain him and make him beat us through the air, and that's what they did. The rookie, Traylon uh, uh, Burks, you know, he was kind of my draft crush, right? Caught a lot of flack in training camp, him being out of shape, couldn't handle the heat down there in Tennessee, all that. He came out tonight, though, seven catches for 111 yards, dominating performance. Robert Woods, six catches for 69 yards. These are the guys that made the play on the secondary, right? Now let's go over to the, the Packers side of the uh, – of the aisle. Aaron Rodgers, 24 of 39, 227 yards passing, 5.8 yards a clip, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was only sacked one time. I felt like the the offensive line held up really well. He had a quarterback rating of 94.7. Um, you know, the thing about Aaron's performance, he was inaccurate several times. I think I counted four passes where he was off the mark, right? And, and you can look at how many times a team passes, you know, like the Packers throwing 39 passes, you say, okay, well, he was only inaccurate on four passes. That's not a bad performance. You can say that, but at the same time, you know, it's it's like 5.8 yards a clip. We knew they were going to load the box as well, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, Aaron Jones, 12 carries for 40 yards, only 3.3 yards a carry. A.J. Dillon, six, uh, six carries, only 13 yards. Guys, A.J. Dillon averaged 2.2 yards per carry. So we're not going to sit here and just, you know, let it all fall on Aaron Rodgers because he had kind of a mediocre game. And I guess that's the best way of describing it. You know, I'm, my prediction for Aaron Rodgers is PFF grade. And I'm eager to see how close I get. I'm going to say a right around a 73. I don't think it was absolutely horrible, but it definitely wasn't in the 80s. If he if he grades out in the 80s, I'll be very, very, very surprised for sure. So, um, yeah, let's move on to one of the uh, one of the positives, though. And that's uh, our boy Christian Watson, right? Two more touchdown catches. Only had four catches for 48 yards. He was targeted six times. That's that's an improvement in my opinion. You know, last week I think he had eight targets, only four catches. This week he only had six targets but had four catches, 48 yards. Average 12 yards a catch, two touchdowns. That one play too, man, I sent a tweet out where Aaron caught them with a guy off sides and – and extended the play and just threw it up to, to Christian Watson. That's one thing that I think we've kind of forgotten about when it comes to Christian. We see the separation speed, right? We know that he's going to be able to burn defenses over the top, but you don't think about that height advantage he has and his leaping ability, and he's showing strong hands. You know, For me, what I'm seeing is more hands catches. So if there's one positive to come out of this game with, or one of the positives, I should say, it's that Christian Watson, he looks legit. He's getting more comfortable, right? Now, the deep pass – um, there he kind of pulled up on it, right? Didn't finish his route. If he had the ball was right there on the money, it would have been a great, a great opportunity to catch that ball. But at the same time, the defender grabbing him. I had three different occasions where I wrote in my notes that the the officials blue calls, and and I don't want to even talk about it on the pod because I don't ever want to come across like, oh well, it's the officials are the reason we lost the game. It definitely wasn't the case in my opinion. Um, but it's hard to you know, to see that stuff happen in a close game. And, you know, every time you start to get a little bit of momentum, a play doesn't go your way as far as a, a call, a penalty or what have you. Um, it's a tough thing to stomach. It really is. But, again, that's on Christian for pulling up. But two more touchdown catches, man, that's that's exciting, you know. Alan Lazard had a horrible night. And I know Aaron missed him um, on the throw over the middle, although 
you know, I'm watching that throw and I'm like, yes, that's definitely a miss on Aaron, but that also should be a drop on Lazard because it was just like he mistimed it, misjudged it. Maybe he's so used to Aaron putting the ball on the money that he just assumed it was going to be there rather than preparing himself to, to make that leap and grab. But, uh, man, he was targeted 11 times, guys. 11 targets for Alan Lazard, only five catches, 57 yards. Um, that's tough. Randall Cobb looked like he was completely healthy. He was targeted six times, had six receptions, 73 yards. That's another thing. you, When you see Rodgers missing Lazard and then you see him and, and Cobb, you know, Cobb being able to adjust to the ball and, and them, you know, seem to be on the same page, it's it's hard to look at it and say, okay, it's more on Rodgers than Lazard. Something was definitely off there. 11 targets, only five catches. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, we mentioned that he only had 12 carries for 40 yards, average 3.3 yards a carry. He also had six receptions for 20 yards. But, again, that's just 3.3 on average. So what you've seen from Mike Vrabel in this defense is they come out and say, we're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to stop their run, but we're going to keep enough guys deep, kind of keep the ball in front of us and not give up the big plays, and they didn't. Now, granted, you could say that Christian Watson free play in the end zone was a big play, and I, I think it probably was. But at the same time, that's Mike Vrabel, man. He is he is so close to being cut from the cloth of Bill Belichick, it's not even funny. In my opinion, he's a top five head coach in the league, maybe a top three right now. And when we were talking about this on the on that little pregame roundtable that we did with some of the Titans podcasters, um, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, kind of hearing the conversation and, you know, sometimes people are homers and sometimes you're, you know, I'm guilty of being a homer, but I'm kind of looking at, at all the information. I'm going, man, Mike Vrabel's a better head coach than Matt LaFleur. Like I, I couldn't, you guys know how it is typically for me, it's head coach versus head coach, quarterback versus quarterback and who has the best uh, edge rushers, right? That's typically the, the top factors for me in a game. You know, if you've got a great left tackle or a great right tackle, if you've got a left-handed quarterback that can kind of counter, a great pass rush, you might take that into account a little bit, but that's what you call the elite spots, in my opinion. And when I looked at it across the board, I'm like, yeah, Aaron's a better quarterback than Tannehill, but Rashawn Gary's not playing. The Titans' defense has been pretty stout off the edge, and they had one of their studs back on the interior, and it come down to Mike Vrabel versus Matt LaFleur, and I, I just got to be 100% honest, man. Uh, if my money was going on the game and I didn't bet on it, if I did, I'm probably taking Vrabel over Matt LaFleur. And it bothers me to say that, but you know, it is what it is. I really feel like that, but we got the, we got the head coach at the helm here right now. So let's go ahead and share the screen and let's see what coach LaFleur has to say. Stop it. If you don't want it to happen, stop it. Any thoughts to playing younger players here down the stretch? Are you still chasing this thing like you're, like you're right on it? Yeah. I mean, um, you guys know how my mindset is. So it's, it's every day and it's one game and that's the mentality. And um, I have a hard time just processing it any other way. Good. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was coach from floor, man. That was quick. <laughs> that was very, very quick. So, not a whole lot going on there at the podium. We'll we'll kind of stay tuned for uh, for Aaron Rodgers to come through. Um, also in my notes, as far as a positive, let's go to the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. And uh, those of you in the chat, really appreciate you hanging out with us. If you got any comments about the game, any questions, fire away. Um, obviously, we're flying solo tonight, and I don't blame the guys, man. It was a tough game, and uh, it's a little late, you know. It's almost midnight my time, so we're going to try to hammer through this and get you guys a pot out here early in the morning. 
And obviously, we're all going to be tuning in to Packernet after dark and hear the fans' reaction. Those have been on fire here lately, man. I really enjoy listening to those. But on the defensive side of the ball, as we wait for Aaron to get to the podium, um, Quay Walker, man, he was he was all over the field. Um, I had him in my notes several times as a positive. I don't think I have one negative for uh, uh, Quay Walker tonight. That doesn't mean he didn't have a negative play. But in my notes, I'm kind of vaguely watching. I'm not watching it as close as PFF does. I felt like he had a good night. I wouldn't be surprised. If he comes out and he grades out in the uh, in the seventies or, or possibly, nah, it's probably a stretch saying the eighties. But I, I'm I'm thinking somewhere between sixty five and seventy five for Quay Walker. I thought he played pretty good. Made a couple big hits, man. There was one or two times that one special teams hit that really kind of rejuvenated the Packers and uh, and kind of put them in a position where it was like, okay, we got a little bit of fight left. And then of course the offense continued to stutter. Uh, Aaron not being on the same page with Lazard. I'm sorry, man, but that deep pass to Lazard where he just quit on the play, it wasn't even like, okay, I'm expecting a back shoulder throw here, right? It was just, well, yeah, my guy's got me beat here. Let's just look back and see what's going on. It wasn't even it wasn't even like a scramble drill or anything like that. It was just real simple, you know, screw it. This game's over. That bothers me, man. That bothers me bad. And he made a couple plays, don't get me wrong, along the sideline early in the game. You know, but, man, you can't give up on that route. And Aaron kind of looked at him like, what the heck, dude? Like, really? Like, <laughs> and it was a fourth down. It wasn't like, okay, we'll we'll chalk it up and, and go, you know, go to the next play. It was like this, okay, everything's covered up underneath. Protection's breaking down. Let me go up top to the one-on-one to the big guy, Lazard. And he literally just stopped the route. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't understand that. So, um, that really bothered me. But, again, Quay Walker on defense, though, he flashed, had one quarterback hit, had a tackle for loss, had a half sack. Um, he was in on that play there with Preston. Um, thought he had a good game. Chris Barnes showed up in the tackle column, had 12 tackles. You know, uh, McDuffie was out there a little bit. I don't know if he got hurt or water, if he was just spelling, spelling in and they wanted to get Chris Barnes some, uh, some reps. I'm not sure with the snap count. But Barnes had 12 tackles and a sack and a quarterback hit. So he had a pretty solid game. Adrian Amos flowed to the ball well. Um, he did blow a coverage once that I remember seeing. So I, I'm expecting him to have another PFF, a, a bad PFF grade. Again, I think Quay Walkers will be decent. Uh, Russell Douglas obviously um, had a pretty good game. He had the interception. He blew a coverage too, though. Um, he had a, a pass defended, a tackle for a loss, and a pick. That was one of the few highlights there on defense, which I think Pack Daddy, if I remember correctly, Ryan pointed out on Twitter that uh, – that this was one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring game for the Titans this year. And that's that's not a good sign for this defense, man. It really, really isn't. So, um, yeah, like I said, Preston Smith, one and a half sacks. Um, he had a tackle for a loss as well and two QB hits. So Preston Smith came out and played a pretty good ball game. Um, Enig Barre was, was pretty quiet. He had one run defense there where he kind of stood up. Derrick Henry got in Derrick Henry's face a little bit, and it, it showed me a lot from that rookie. But – only one tackle in the stat column, kind of an off night for him as well. And that's that's pretty much what happened on defense. You know, like I said, Preston Smith, the two quarterback hits. Dean Lowry had a quarterback hit. Um, Dean Lowry was in on several tackles. I thought he played pretty decent. And, um, yeah, that kind of kind of pretty much sums it up, man. Um, yeah, they're uh, the, the biggest thing is I think our DBs are going to get some really, really bad grades because, um, man, they blew some coverages. That was uh, kind of the story of the night for me, for sure. And, um, yeah, as far as Aaron Rodgers, as a matter of fact, he's at the podium. Let's go see what 12 has to say right now. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. But they've been averaging like 66 yards um, per game the last, I don't know, seven or eight. So I knew it was going to be tough. They're stout in the middle, uh, good linebackers. Uh, knew we got to throw it. We had obviously a lot more third and long situations today and just didn't convert enough of them. Where do you go from here, Aaron? Home. Okay. Well, as, as, as a team, after, again, I know we've a lot, and you won a lot of games here. This is a pretty, pretty rare spot for you. Yeah, season's not over. Uh, there's still six opportunities left. Uh, you know, we got a tough game. Got to go to Philly. Hopefully we can, these few days, get a little healthy or uh, refresh the mind. And then uh, obviously we got to win these next games. Okay. Yeah, let's see what happens. What would you say the reasons would be that you can't? Well, I think last week showed us a lot of possibilities. This week we just didn't play as, as complimentary on all, all three phases. Um, I mean, you got to be excited about the way Christian's played the last two weeks. So, uh, Kyrie coming back today, I think last some receiving yards. That was a big jolt for us. Um, as you guys know and have talked about, we need to run the football effectively to win. And didn't do that today. So. And find a way schematically or otherwise to uh, run effectively. And when we got opportunities one on ones, we got win one on ones. I got to throw the ball better than I did tonight. There's not a lot of margin for error for us, and definitely not. You know, uh, team is stout, but it gives you some opportunities. Uh, got to get out of this place. You, you said after Sunday that you put the ball exactly where you wanted to, pretty much on every throw. Yeah. What was the difference then to not conditions, thumb, just not in the what? I couldn't tell you point to one thing. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses about my thumb. It's been the same since New York. Um, 
I don't know. I got to go back and look at it. I feel like fundamentally I was, you know, in a good spot. Um, but just didn't have the same type of uh, consistent grip and, and ball coming out the same way. I threw a lot of kind of wobblers tonight. So uh, there was some wind, but uh, just missed a few throws I should have had. I mean, definitely the one to Sammy and, and the one to Allen for sure. It's not you get boom, it's like. Here in the house. Not you personally, but as a, as a group. Um, interesting. It's the best I can give you. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's been attempts with questions for the last month or so to try and get you to give a relax or run the table, right? Like, and you keep saying, look, those have to come from somewhere. But forget about us. What do you do to kind of rally the guys in the locker room? Like, I don't know matter what you tell us, but you gotta, how do you keep that? God, make me throw up. It's the same reporter every time. What do you do with them? Well, it's gotta be multiple guys. You know, it can't just be one person. Otherwise, the voice kind of gets drowned out by the uh, the white noise of the standardness. So it's got to be multiple guys saying the same the same things. Um, so it's a call to all the leaders in the football team, not just the six elected captains. Um, but we got to play up to our potential. If we play up to our potential, we can win our last six games. I'm confident of that. Obviously, I got to play up to my potential tonight, wasn't it? Amazon showed you on the sideline after Tennessee got the ball at the end and through the pass. And you're like bundled up and you look like you're staring kind of off into space. My God, he's so dramatic. Maybe I can't take it. What were you thinking at the end there? Just about what could have been. You know, the momentum that could have been with a win tonight. Frustration around a couple throws. Frustration around uh, the opportunity that was in front of us to go to five and six, to have great momentum going into this mini buy. Um, that was probably it. How long does it take for this the feeling that you have right now to wear off? Yeah, I mean, we have a little extra time this weekend. Uh, be an important time for all of us to clear our minds. Um, I feel like tomorrow morning I'll be, uh, after looking at this thing, hopefully putting it to bed, but a uh, little more time on a short week to think about uh, an, a loss like this. Two more. What did you see on the play where you ended up taking that 12-yard sack play? I saw Randall get blindsided uh, as I was about to throw it to him. <laughs> I've seen that um, too. <laughs> You know, we were just gloved down the field. I was trying to find a spot to get to, to, to get the ball somewhere. And I honestly didn't see uh, whoever that was that sacked me until the last second. And, um, couldn't get rid of it. You said a couple times about wanting to maybe go up tempo if that would help things. How would that look? Would you have to call the plays? What, what would be the, how would you yeah, go about it? I mean, uh, the beauty in the, the the meshing of systems that we did a few years ago, as far as terminology, is we can call everything at the last scrimmage. 
So that's a possibility. We've talked about that. We did a little bit of that uh, a couple games ago with some effectiveness. But, you know, we'll see. It's, it's easier at home, for sure. But we've done on the road for many, many years doing that. And I'm not sure if that's going to be a part of the plan or not. Um, I just think any time you're going to funk offensively, this is, you know, what Mike and I used to talk about. If it was, you know, two, maybe three series where you're just not moving the ball efficiently, uh, changing the tempo after maybe the first play of the drive is a way to just keep the defense, uh, you know, having to make quick calls. You're playing at home, you can a lot of times hear most of the calls. Um, so a good way to just get some plays quickly and get that urgency maybe picking up a little bit. The few times we went on a quick count, you hit the copy for across the middle for like 30, and, and we had another positive play in the run game as well. So maybe I just got to mix up some of the cadences a little bit too. Um, but we got to get, you know, substitutions in out the huddle a little better. And, you know, if we, if we do up tempo, I can just stay in the same personnel. And we've, you know, we've had success over there doing that in the season in some of the, uh, some of the call situations. We thought last time I tried to put Christian in the hall, and he said two good games, I get it. But does he, does he, you need, do you need to get him to the ball more often just because he's had one guy who can really get you something? I mean, the answer is yes. You know, I think uh, we've got to get the ball our playmakers, and he's stepped up the last two weeks, the last two games, the last five days. Um, you know, that over the shoulder catch, I think, opened up a whole uh, new world of confidence for him. We caught him with too many on the field, and I gave him a trust ball, threw it up in the back of the end zone, and came down with it. So uh, he's playing a lot of confidence. If you look at the week of practice prior to last Sunday, uh, he had you know many drops uh, really throughout practices for the season and. Uh, the last few days, no drops. He caught everything today. Um, yes, we got to give him the ball more. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> that was 12. So, sorry that went a little long, but at the same time, and flying solo tonight, why not hear from the starting quarterback, right? If you guys could be in the room with a Hall of Fame quarterback, you probably want to hear from him rather than this redneck voice. But um, I love how honest he was. But I just got to say, man, that reporter that keeps asking those long, drawn-out questions, he's the same reporter years ago that M McCarthy called him by name and said, I'm not in the mood for drama today. Because every one of his questions are always, you know, Aaron, you were sitting there on the sideline and you were kind of just, you know, staring off into the abyss. And, and you know, you had a thousand thoughts going through your mind and, and you know, you're kind of looking across the – frozen tundra of land. He's like, shut up, dude. Shut up. Like, it's your two seconds of fame. Everybody wants to hear from the quarterback, from the coach, from the players, whether it's a Rudy Ford that had a great game last week or Christian Watson who had last uh, great two games, whatever it is. Nobody wants to hear you try to sound elegant. It's the reason that nobody's paying to get past your paywalls to read your stupid freaking articles because you're going to try to take two or three points, right, and you're going to try to draw it out into a read that's going to take somebody 20 minutes to read simply because you want to feel smart. Shut up. People aren't there to hear you. It cracks me up every time. Dude. I lose my mind every time I hear that guy ask a question. In the meantime, I'm looking at the uh, Amazon Prime postgame show here, and Tony Gonzalez has about froze to death, okay? 
He's been covered up the whole night. He's been a meme on Twitter all night long, people making fun of him. And you've got uh, our boy uh, Fitzmagic here, Ryan Fitzpatrick, out here in a short sleeve turkey shirt. Looks like a tie-dyed shirt with a turkey on the front of it. Absolutely hilarious. But, yeah, Tony Gonzalez, my man, is struggling out there. But, anyway, sorry for that little mini rant, but I just can't stand when reporters try to make it about them and not about the coverage. It drives me absolutely insane. It's funny, I, I got into an altercation with a uh, with a guy on Twitter a little while back about a tweet I put up, and he he literally responded to my tweet with something like, "You don't see the beat reporters putting a tweet out there like that, Clayton. You might want to delete that." Like, if you think I'm trying to be a beat reporter, you've lost your ever loving mind. First of all, they're going to hear my southern draw, and and ain't nobody interested in hiring me, right? Second of all, that's not why I do a podcast. Third of all. I could give two craps what you think about my tweet. You might as well go ahead and hit unfollow. <laughs> but it just cracked me up that it's like there's so many people that are trying to be like that reporter I just mentioned. Try to sound elegant like they're going to get noticed so they can write articles and get paid for clicks and all that. It's like, dude, I'm a freaking Packer fan through and through that just wants to get on a podcast and talk about football. What drew me to Ryan's network, is he's the same way. I was like, this seems like a dude that I would sit at the bar with, have a cold beer, and watch a ball game get along with great, right? And and he just likes to talk football. He's not in it to try to become famous. He's not in it to try to – all you know, it's so silly how serious the media takes themselves. It just cracks me up. So, um, all right, so off my soapbox there. So as we get ready to wrap up, and it's going to be kind of a short show, like I said, guys, um, flying solo. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, anybody, like I said, it's got any comments in the chat. We'll try to get to those. If not, no big deal. I know it's late. A lot of people already went to bed, but we wanted to put some kind of post game show out for you. I'm glad we got to hear from 12. We got to hear from LaFleur. I, I respect Aaron for going as long as he did because it's obvious LaFleur didn't, LaFleur wasn't in the mood to talk. Right. So, um, I, you know, I definitely respect Aaron for standing up there and, and kind of taking the heat for a minute and, and answering those questions. But, um, yeah, so if I had to pick a player of the game for the Packers, for me, it's definitely Christian Watson, two touchdowns. I mean, you heard Aaron. He, he's he's kind of become the, the go-to guy, right? And if I had to say, all right, what – if you were to tell the story, right, of this ball game and say, okay, what, what won – what would have won the game and what actually lost the game – what would have won the game for me is the offense putting together some strong drives there in the second half, and it just never materialized. I put it mostly on Aaron Rodgers, and like I said, I'm expecting a PFF grade somewhere around 73. That would be my guess. And uh, he was just inaccurate, inconsistent. He and the receivers weren't on the same page. It's another thing, too, that that we haven't really mentioned is the weather, the temperature. I know people don't want to hear that because Lambeau Field is supposed to be this big, uh, you know, uh, home field advantage, and, and I still believe it is and can be. But, uh, you know, that definitely plays a role when you're out there trying to catch a fastball from uh, from one of the hardest-throwing uh, quarterbacks in the history of the game, right? So, um so, again, a negative, I would say, is the offense there in the second half. The positive for me, though, um, Christian Watson and also Rasul Douglas, man, I'm glad he's on this team. And, and it's kind of proven that he plays that boundary corner way better than he plays in the slot. And I hope that Goody really takes that into consideration when he's building this roster for 2023. So where do we go from here? We're not statistically eliminated from the uh, from the playoffs yet, right? It hasn't happened just yet. Um, but we're kind of staring that down the barrel right now, okay? So what does that mean for the Packers? How do you handle this moving forward? Well, until you're until you are eliminated, you have got to 
continue to play to win. You've got to put the best product out there available, right? Now, once they're statistically eliminated, maybe you start splitting the reps a little bit. Maybe you look at the guys that are battling injuries like a David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins or, you know, insert anyone and say, all right, look, let's go ahead and throw you on our and let's kind of get you ready for next season, right? And if you guys haven't caught on, that's my stance. That's how I feel about the Packers moving forward. Um, Aaron, I think, will be back next year. I think Bach will be back. Say that three times fast, right? Bach will be back. Um, I think they'll both be back, and I'm excited about it because you've got two of the, the most important pieces in place, right? And you're going to get Aaron with a healthy thumb, and you can kind of build around this Christian Watson experiment. You know, imagine if tonight the receivers were Christian Watson, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Randall Cobb in your 11 personnel. I mean, that looks pretty good, right? Cobb came out and had a heck of a game. I would like to see Cobb back next year. I don't know if it'll happen. If Aaron comes back, then obviously Goody would bring Cobb back, and why would he not? Cobb is the highest-graded uh, Packers receiver so far this year, right? So he's obviously still at the top of his game. And when I say top of his game, maybe not as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. No, I'm just kidding. I'm out here reciting country songs now. You know it's getting late. Um, but I would like to see Cobb back. I'd like to see that receiver room next year be uh, Christian Wa Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, uh, Samori Torre, and then add another receiver. And when I say add another receiver, it's okay to add a number one receiver. And you're probably sitting there going, but Clayton, I was reading on Twitter that we're not going to have cap space. Mark my words, guys. When we go into the offseason – the Packers will have the ability to maneuver funds to where they could probably free up somewhere between eight and $18 million in cap. If there's a receiver out there for the right price that Goody likes as a number one receiver, they'll go get them, right? You know, I heard a lot of conversation on Twitter today about tight end. And, you know, rather than go out after a receiver, why not go after a number one tight end? I don't think that's a bad idea either. I really don't. Now, the only problem with that, LaFleur has talked about it in the past um, with saying that these tight ends, when you sign a tight end, when you draft a tight end, they're asked to do everything in every aspect of the game. They've got to be willing to run routes and catch the ball, obviously, and be effective at it. they got to be willing to pass block, and they got to be willing to run block. And in the past, I would have put pass blocking kind of on the back burner. But as you guys seen a couple of weeks ago, you know, DeGuara having to cover the edge as they were running, you know, a couple of a couple of slip routes, you know, a couple of leap plays there with Tunyon, it's important that the tight end knows how to pass block too. And now obviously, as we laid out, there's only one tight end that's under contract next year, and that's DeGuara. So there's going to be some spaces to fill. If Mercedes, if Mercedes retires, um, if he doesn't retire, I could see the Packers want be, you know, wanting to bring him back. But if he does retire, um, I don't see them uh, overpaying Tunyon, although Tunyon knows the system. But we've seen Tunyon still isn't completely healthy. He's not the the player he was. He's still got the hands. We see that uh, week in and week out. But he just doesn't have that ability to stretch the field like he once did. And I'm not saying he was a, a Rob Gronkowski-level player or a, a Kelsey-level player or you know guys like that, but he was a solid tight end that had enough speed to be able to stretch the seam, and you just haven't seen it this year. There's a lot of factors that come into this season, right? And um, I'll say this, you know, Goose said it in the chat that he could kind of live with this game and how it played out tonight. And I agree. This was a good Titans team that came in here. They were a physical team. 
their strength, the running game, matched up against our biggest weakness on defense, which is run defense. And they actually rose to the occasion. I would not be surprised if our team's run defense is in the 70s tomorrow, uh, according to PFF. And, you know, that's probably a bit of a stretch because just how bad they've been all year. But I really felt like they rose to the occasion tonight. They did. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't play as, as much of that four technique out of the defensive line as, as we seen last week, but it was a whole different game plan, right? They were loading the box and looking to stop them, and it was really the secondary that let us down. So when we kind of talk about the secondary moving into next year, right, let's just go down the line real quick, just a quick quick recap of the roster going into next year. we got a little bit of time to kill here. I want to make sure there's nobody else coming to the podium. I'm pretty sure everybody's getting out of Lambeau and going home, right? Especially with this weather, it looked like uh, on the post game show it was starting to snow a little bit harder there uh, around the uh, around the stadium. So um, yeah, we're good. So nobody else at the podium. So we'll wrap up with a little future roster talk. Quarterback, I want to see Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love come back next year. If if the coaching staff thinks that Jordan Love is the quarterback of the future, I want to see them extend him. Stay away from that fifth year option. That fifth year option is going to be the tune of twenty million dollars, guys. The fifth year option, no pun intended. It's not an option, <laughs> right? Um, so if if they do believe he's the quarterback of the future, go ahead and extend him. You extend him and Rodgers comes back, then you can hide that money next year and uh, and be able to have the cap hit kind of hit in 2024 and you're off to the races with Aaron retiring, right? Let's move on to running back. you got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both coming back next year. A.J. Dillon, guys, man, I he's one of my favorite players. You know, I love watching that guy run the last few years. But I got to say, he is not the same running back this year. I don't know what happened. J.J. Leahy posted on Twitter. He put, sent a tweet out. I should probably try to pull some of this stuff up and read it off Twitter. But uh, he sent something along the lines of, uh, you know, he's just not running hard. He's not running physical. You see Derrick Henry, man. Derrick Henry was throwing body blows on the Packers defense, right? And I'm going to see if I can pull this tweet up here um, real quick. Um, not that's the vision. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, he's been tweeting like a madman, so it's gonna be hard to find it. Anyway, if I remember the tweet correctly, it was something along the lines of why don't he run like Derrick Henry? You know, why is he not more physical? Why don't you run with power? Why are you not looking to punish defenders? And I completely agree, man. Something has changed this year. He just doesn't have that burst and he doesn't have that physicality. So, with that being said, you're gonna be looking at a running back to the running back room next year. You know, next year is A.J. Dillon's contract year as well, right? If he continues at this pace, you're not going to overpay to bring him back. Aaron Jones will be back on the roster. Aaron Jones is our best offensive player. But, again, we'll have A.J. Dillon in the contract year. You'll get the best that that A.J. has to offer. But, man, what a I don't want to say disappointment because, I you know, it, that almost sounds like a personal attack, and I, I don't want to come across that way. But um, it's just uh, – I don't know. It's I don't know how else to say it other than disappointment because I was expecting AJ to be like a, a huge factor this year. You know that pony package when you put both of those guys on the field at the same time. I was expecting man, you know them getting used to trying to catch the scat back that that is uh, Aaron Jones, and then turn right around and have to tackle the battering ram AJ Dillon. Man, that's that's a tough uh, tough thing to adjust to, but it just hasn't been there this year. So with that being said, we're looking to add another running back. Man, my allergies are all too heck tonight. Uh, offensive line, you know, I talked about this with Elton Jenkins. For the right price, absolutely, I want him back. The fair market value is saying $14 million. I'm not paying Elton Jenkins $14 million on average per year. 
I'm sorry. He's underperformed this year. The knee doesn't look completely healthy. I think it would be stupid. I think he let him go out and test the market, and when he comes back, if he if if the, the market number he brings back is less than what you were willing to pay him, then, yeah, go ahead and extend him, right? Um, you know, go ahead and get him, I would say, somewhere to the tune of, you know, 6 to $8 million a year. I'd be okay with re-signing Elton. But in the meantime, here's what I think we should do. Let's say he does test the market and he doesn't come back. Well, here's what your offensive line looks like. You've got David Bakhtiari at left tackle. You're going to sign. Uh, you're going to sign Yash to uh, a deal where he's going to be able to go out and test the market, and whatever offer they bring back, the Packers will be able to match it. So I'm, I'm very, very confident, like JJ and I talked about on the Saturday Roundtable podcast, um, that he's going to be back. So there's your tackle set: David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. If indeed Bach doesn't retire. Center set at Josh Myers. I'm not saying he's a great center, but I think they'll move forward with him at center. Um, at guard, you're going to have John Runyon, right? So you've got another guard spot opened up. Put that on the list. Put up. Put that on the shopping list. Whether it's free agency or going through the draft, whatever, um, you're going to need another guard. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Well, I'm sorry, wide receiver. Wide receiver, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. You could bring Cobb back, but he's not under contract right now. So right now you've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Torre, and whoever you bring over from the practice squad, right? I'd like to see them bring Randall Cobb back and then fill that fifth slot. They'll probably carry six. If they do, that's fine. But be willing to go out and get a number one receiver. To me, that's where the money needs to be spent on offense. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers coming back or him retiring and Jordan Love taking the reins, you need another another threat at receiver, and you've got the cap room there in the receiver room because all of those guys do. Christian Watson, I think, is right around two million a year. I don't have the numbers pulled up. Um, Romeo Dobbs, late round draft pick, probably a million or less per year. Samori Torre, less than a million per year. You've got no money tied up in that wide receiver room. Go out and shop a little bit. That doesn't mean go out and give an Allen Robinson an inflated contract. I mean, did that not absolutely bury the L.A. Rams? Think of the contract that they gave to Allen Robinson, and he has done nothing to help that team, right? So you're going to do a little bit of shopping in the receiver room. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you, you're you going to have Kenny Clark back. There's no way of getting rid of him. I'm not saying you would want to, although, in my opinion, he has underperformed this year. And you're going to have the rookie, Devontae Wyatt, right beside him. You're also going to have T.J. Slayton as a big extra nose tackle if you want to continue to use Kenny the way you are. Um, but those are your two starting defensive linemen, in my opinion, is going to be Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt. So you're kind of set there at that starting position. And, and why am I only mentioning two defensive linemen? Because we're in the nickel something like 70 72% of the time, right? And that's going to be a 2-4-5. So let's go to the edge. you got Preston Smith, and you're going to have Rashawn Gary back at some point. Now, Rashawn Gary might get a late jump on the year like we've seen with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins this year. And if that's the case, then you're going to have Enig Barre go ahead and step in. You might want to go out and spend a little bit of resources on getting another edge defender, but I think pretty much the starters are set. It's Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, and you got the rookie to rotate until Rashawn Gary gets healthy. You move on to inside linebacker. You're going to have Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. That's another thing we got to take into consideration with this game, guys. I mean, we're without arguably our, our second-best defensive player in Devondre Campbell tonight. Quay Walker went out for a short bit, too. But, again, I didn't find myself thinking the linebackers cost us a game. What I found myself saying and thinking, man, the secondary really let us down tonight, right? So when it comes to inside linebacker, you're going to move forward with Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, and then you got Isaiah McDuffie who's back under contract who's going to be rotating. You fill the roster out with draft picks or cheap free agents, and you're good to go there. 
um, DBs. You're going to have Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas. I really hope they've learned their lesson with Eric Stokes because, you know, I, I don't wish injury on anybody, but Eric Stokes going down has really opened my eyes to just how bad he's played because Russell Douglas is coming and he's played a lot better in my opinion. Right. And, and I don't know if it's so much that as it is Russell Douglas didn't play the slot that well, it could have been that and that's how the team improved. But then again, you've rotated Savage into the slot and he's gotten burned time and time again. Right. So when it comes to DBs on the outside, I want to see Russell Douglas and Jair Alexander. We need us a slot corner. It's plain and simple. Um, I, you know, Savage is going to be back next year, unless, of course, we trade him. And like JJ pointed out on that Saturday podcast, if they do trade him, that contract, that guaranteed money travels with him. Um, so you don't have to worry about that if indeed he's traded. Now you cut him, you're on the hook for that $7.9 million, might as well call it $8 million. Um, so Savage is on the roster, but I don't want to see him playing safety. Rudy Ford took a step back tonight. I'm expecting Rudy Ford's grade to drop significantly. I mean, there were several times I seen him um, over pursue on runs and then also uh, miss time uh, coverage routes, right? Like covering routes. There was a couple of times. Now you could kind of tell you, you look at it and go, okay, was that, was that the deep, the deep safety's fault there? Was that on him? You know, it's kind of hard to determine when you're watching the game in real time, you go back and watch the tape, you could probably pick it up. There was some really good scheming going on though by the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator for sure, kind of scheming those guys open. But with that being said, I'd like to see Rudy Ford get uh, a little bit of a contract and and bring him back. He made a great special teams tackle tonight. He's one of those guys that obviously he is the reason that we won last week, period. I mean, you're losing by 14 points, and that's after two interceptions by Rudy Ford. Without those two interceptions, you're probably down three touchdowns. Right. I think he's a guy that can really make a difference for this defense. So I want to see them bring him back, throw a little guaranteed money at him and get him back under contract and get him back next year to play safety. And worst case scenario, a great safety falls to you in the draft. You draft him and he's a starter uh, alongside Rudy Ford or he replaces Rudy Ford. You go out and get a, a free agent, uh, a good free agent sign. And now you're really deep at a position that was weak this year. And that's really the name of the game when you're trying to build out a roster. You want to look at the weaknesses. How can we flip those weaknesses into strengths? That should be the goal, right? So um, I'd like to see Rudy Ford back. Darnell Savage is back under roster, but we, we're definitely going to be in the market for a safety and a slot corner next year. I really, really believe that. So that's kind of how I see the roster shaking out now. Um, sorry for the sniffling. Like I said, my allergies is all to heck right now. But we're about to about to wrap up here. Um you know, kicker Mason Crosby is not under contract next year. He hit a hit a good shot tonight. It's funny, my wife was up here hanging out with me. We were watching the game, and when he kicked that one, man, it sounded weird. It sounded like a thud, and I thought, well, I bet that ball is harder than a rock out in that cold air tonight. But um, nonetheless, he punched it through. It's going to suck to see Mason go. He may sign a one- or a two-year extension and come back. I don't know, but uh, – I think he's kind of winding down. So right now we got to treat it as if he's not going to come back, seeing he's not under contract. So what do you do? Do you bring over the the practice squad kicker, right? Do you bring over Ahmed uh, Ramiz? Do you do that? That's that's definitely a possibility. I don't think he missed a single kick in preseason and in the offseason. I think he was perfect. Um, so maybe they found a gem there. Obviously, Pat O'Donnell's coming back. He's a great punter. Um, I thought he's done a heck of a job. He's definitely done a great job holding. You hated to see the extra point get blocked or not, but I don't think that was on Pat at all. Um, and then, of course, long snapper Coco, man, they fixed that problem. You know, it's easy to look at Basachi keeping Amari Rogers returning punts for so long, right? And I'm glad I said that because I, I want to talk about Keyshawn Nixon here for just a second as well. But 
when you look at some of the problems we had last year, Rich Basachi has fixed a lot of them. I mean, he really has. He's fixed the holding issue. He's fixed the snapping issue. The kicking, the whole process of kicking has been better. Now, the protection has been a little bit bad, but you can't fix everything in one season, right? So now you've got that to work on. And I know the pump protection has broke down from time to time, but you know, bringing O'Donnell onto this roster, being the holder and the punter has been a big move, right? Uh, choosing Coco over Wordle was an absolutely huge move in camp. It proved to be the right decision. So um, I like where we sit there. Got to go out and get us a kicker, right? And and don't don't be afraid to spend money on a kicker either. I mean, when you see somebody like Justin Tucker up in Baltimore and what he does when he comes on the field, guys, if it's if it's lining up a kick anywhere in the stadium, you feel pretty good about him hitting it. I mean, I think he's got the record now, if I remember correctly, on a game winner. But uh, uh, you can't, you really can't minimize how important having a good kicker is. Now, back to Keyshawn Nixon, and we'll wrap this big bear up. Keyshawn Nixon, to me, um, man, he's he's a great returner. I feel so comfortable with him back there returning punts. And, and this was one of Rich Basaccia's guys, another example of it's easy to look at some of the gaffes that's happened on special teams and blame Rich. But, you know, they pulled the plug on Amari, and now Keyshawn's back there. Well, guess what? Keyshawn wouldn't even be on this roster if it wasn't for Rich Basaccia. That was one of his guys in Oakland or in, in Vegas, rather. So I'd like to see him bring him back. Bring back Keyshawn Nixon. <clears throat> bring back Rudy Ford. But Keyshawn Nixon be a return guy, obviously kickoffs and punt returns. So I would really like to see that happen. I didn't like to see Cobb back there returning punts tonight. That that kind of bothered me because I felt like Keyshawn was kind of getting in a in a good groove, and I really wanted to see him more. So, um, you know, with that being said, I'd like to see him extend Keyshawn Nixon. So we got some holes to fill next year. Now these next few weeks, um, again, uh, you know, you're, you're basically one loss away from being eliminated pretty much. That's how I'm looking at it now, you know. It's hoping you come away with a win today and you had a couple game, a couple losses to play with potentially, but now your your back's really against the wall. Um, you know, let's just kind of start looking at things moving forward. Okay, what are the holes we need to fill? And let's really make sure we get our player evaluation in. Now, I'm not talking about Jordan Love. And the reason I'm not talking about Jordan Love is because I don't know if that's the best opportunity for him to come in and tell you what he's got, right? With, with the way the offense has sputtered all year. I mean, if the, the back-to-back MVP has struggled the way he has, you put Jordan Love out there, you're liable to ruin his confidence, right? Uh, and I don't know, maybe I don't feel 100% uh, in that favor, but that's definitely the first thing that comes to mind for me when you talk about, um, you know, potentially putting Jordan Love in. So um, with that being said, man, I didn't I didn't plan on running through the roster there, especially with nothing in front of me, but – uh. Uh, flying solo tonight, not getting everybody's take on the game. I think the take the the game was pretty straightforward. I mean, the Titans had the ball most of the night. What else you want to know? <laughs> that was pretty much how the first half went, right? But uh, again, it was a tough loss, 27-17. I'm still proud of the team. I thought that they uh, they come out and they put up a fight. Uh, the offense sputtering there in the second half, and uh, and specifically Aaron Rodgers struggling down the stretch is really what kind of put the nail in the coffin. That and Lazard just not being on the same page. That that really blew me away, man. Um, with him stopping on that route, I was just like, man, that's tough on the stomach. But um, everything's going to be fine, though. We'll uh, we'll be back. Let's see. Today is Thursday, so we're going to be back on Saturday to bring you guys another pod. I'm going to invite a few people in if they're available, and we'll do another roundtable. Uh, might just kind of talk about the future, might, you know, whatever topic they want to talk about. If you guys have got a topic, uh, shoot me an email uh, at pack or pack at Packers. 
packerstotalaccess at gmail.com. I'm sorry, packerstotalaccess at gmail.com. Send me a message and say, hey, man, I'd like you to cover on, I'd like you to hit on this topic, and we'll throw it into the rotation there for Saturday. Something else we're going to start doing moving forward, guys. Um, I had been pushing Chalk Talk back to Thursdays. Obviously, today it dropped for the Dallas game on game day. That's just silly. I'm going to make it a priority to make sure that Chalk Talk comes out on Tuesday rather than Thursday. That way, that game's still kind of fresh on our mind, and we could talk about, hey, here's what happened. So uh, this Sunday for the pod, I may try to do a Chalk Talk uh, for Sunday's pod, which I might. what I might do is have that go live on Saturday night, and then we will throw the pod out on Sunday so we can kind of talk about what happened here in this game. I'll go ahead and pick out some key plays that I felt like were – uh, really important. So with that being said, thanks thanks to everybody who uh, who uh, rolled through here on Twitter. I've seen several people drop in. Really appreciate your time. I know it's a late night. Some of you probably just accidentally left your phone on and it's sitting on your nightstand right now. You have no clue that I'm even talking. And that's all right, too. Just don't be surprised if you walk up to or wake up tomorrow and uh, and talk like Carl from Sling Blade because, you know, your mind's still processing what you're hearing while you're asleep, right? And uh, this redneck accent, I wouldn't be surprised if you wake up talking about mustard and biscuits and cotter blades. All right. So um, those of you who haven't seen Sling Blade, you're going, what in the hell is he talking about? But anyway, hope you all have a great night. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, You guys dropping through. As always, let's go out and be the uh, change that we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. Collins on the return inside the 10, leaps for the touchdown.